We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Ryan, let's move on to our next topic, and that is the fact that Notre Dame has a big game coming up this weekend against BYU. This is, as we've said all week, this is a huge game for Notre Dame, huge game for Notre Dame. Uh, You need this win, and not only do you need this win, but you need this win to be an impressive win. It doesn't have to be a blowout, but it needs to be a win where you look good winning, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's a challenge for the Notre Dame defense. It's going to be a – this is a well-coached team for the most part at BYU. This is a veteran team at BYU, very veteran team, return a lot from last year's roster, which we've, we've, you know, I don't think we've talked enough about, uh, you know, outside of running back that this team brought back a lot from last year's team, yeah. running back and some, some good offensive linemen, but you know, pass game, they brought back almost everything. Injuries have kind of sapped it a little bit, but the roster brought it back defensively. They brought back a lot from last year's team. So very experienced team, very proven team. So this is an opportunity for Notre Dame to test themselves, Ryan, and, and come away with a victory. And, and so what we're going to focus on today or move now is some of the things that we think Notre Dame needs to do in order to win this game. And, you know, there, there are keys to success, keys to victory, things that we need to see on both sides of the ball that are going to allow Notre Dame to, to come out with a, a much needed victory in this game. So, Ryan, I want to begin with the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to go four keys to victory on the offensive side of the ball. And there's going to be a common theme to the both sides of the ball when it comes to keys to victory, Ryan, which you and I kind of set up yesterday. And, you know, that is, is it's going to be the line of scrimmage, right? It, but, but so we're going to have some of that stuff through, we're going to have some big play themes through, but I think there's a bigger picture aspect to the importance on offense, Ryan, that even goes beyond that, that kind of incorporates all th- the next three things that we're going to talk about and that is, I really think it's important for this Notre Dame offense to start fast. And I'm going to explain it. And there's two reasons why, Ryan, and you tell me what you think. Number one, practically speaking, it's good for your offense to jump on BYU to then put pressure on the BYU offense. As you and I stated yesterday, we don't believe this team is as, is as good of a, a, a play-from-behind team as North Carolina is, right, for a host of reasons. 
And, and one of those is we don't think they have the ability to be that, okay, just next play, you've been shutting them down, bam, 80-yard touchdown. You're shutting them down, shutting them down, shutting them down, 70-yard touchdown. They don't have that ability the way that that Notre Dame, that North Carolina had, especially if Puka Nakua is not healthy or doesn't play. So I think that's a big part of it. They're not a great play from behind team. And number two, and this is more big picture, Ryan, and, and maybe even more important to me, this offense is still, to me, a little bit of a fragile football team, psyche-wise. Yes, the North Carolina game was good, but I'm still worried that if they come out and struggle and all of a sudden we see flashes of early Cal, Marshall, Ohio State, that the confidence that they gained from Carolina could quickly go away if they're getting punched in the mouth and not having success against BYU. Now, I don't mean if they go three and out the first drive, it's, oh, here we go again, we suck. But, right. you know, if, if they kind of have a – a slow first quarter, first half, you know, that could create some problems. Now, again, they didn't start fast against North Carolina, but again, that's because we started to see some of the stuff we saw before. We don't want to see that again. We need to see this team kind of come out and say, hey, we gained the confidence last week. We've built it through the bye week. Now we're ready to get rolling. That's that's kind of that's a that's another reason. And I think if you can get that confidence early. BYU is going to have a very hard time stopping this Notre Dame offense if they come out confident and start executing at a high level and come out right away and just kind of swarm them. I think that's going to be hard for BYU to handle. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I never dreamed I would talk this much about coffee especially since I'm not really a coffee drinker. But ever since we first tried Trade Coffee, my coffee-loving wife is not only hooked, but I've even started to drink coffee. And I've got my mom hooked on it as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. I've told you about our collection, the rich, sweet flavor of the Big City Roast from Joe Coffee, the full flavor of the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, where you can actually taste the malted milk balls. We love it. And if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is that you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take the coffee quiz like we did and get expertly matched with the coffees that you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. You've got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you will love your first bag. 
If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the world. Give it a shot. Well, we talked about it yesterday, Brian. Like th- this is a unit where Notre Dame has struggled the first couple games, especially offensive line wise. So it was a situation where I think there's two outcomes: you come out and you just have early success, and it just kind of reiterates, like, "Hey, we can do this, man! Like we're all right, we can do this. We're a good offensive line, we're a good running game, we're a good offensive unit potentially." Or it's deflating early on, and things get hard again, and then you kind of have that coming, you know that come back to reality type of moment where it's like, oh, maybe we should be second-guessing ourselves. Maybe the defensive line was more the problem or the defense was more the problem last week, two weeks ago, than what our offense is actually capable of doing. So I think that that is a big part of this test. And I mentioned it yesterday early on. I will know a lot of this team, at least running the football-wise, very early in this game. First couple drives, I will have a big indication of if this team is truly heading in the right direction or if North Carolina is just that bad. I think it's one or the other. I don't necessarily think that – well, I think it could be somewhere in the middle, but the matter of fact is I think from a mental standpoint, that's where it's going to be for this team. Either they're going to capitalize and keep the momentum running or it's going to be kind of back to reality a little bit. I think key number two, Ryan, and this is what we talked a lot about early and we hinted at before, the line of scrimmage is going to be very important in this game. And, you know, it, it's – it's we, we went away from establish the run – and we're going a little bit broader to establish the line of scrimmage because it's really important. And not only do they establish the run, that's point number one. Like they've, we talked about it yesterday. They've got to come out and run the football because that's who this team is. We have, they're not using their best weapons in the past, all of their best weapons in the past game. Hopefully that changes in this game. I hope we see that. But as of right now, it's not happening. You know, we're not seeing Tobias Merriweather. We're not seeing any Lamarade and Holden States being used in the past game. They're starting to use more. We saw the backs be more involved the last two weeks. You know, Lorenzo Styles stepped up. Mayer's always been a big part of it. They're not using enough. So one way to complement that or counter that is to have a really dominant ground attack. That's who this team needs to be. So early in the game, it's important to come out and and do that. It, it does a lot of different aspects to it, Ryan. You know, it, we talked yesterday about you need to have early down success. Establishing line of scrimmage in the run game does that. It allows you to move the chains effectively. It allows you to force BYU to – BYU doesn't like to put numbers in the box. Like, I actually think to some degree they're okay giving up six, seven-yard gains. They're okay with you running for 200 yards if it's on 50 carries. I, I really believe that they, they they believe that because then they can keep the points down a little bit and let their offense win. I think that they take kind of an approach that Notre Dame under Clark Lee took against USC. I want USC to run the ball against us. That's what Clark Lee's strategy was. Please run it against us because that's not what you do best. I think a lot of – and BYU kind of has that mentality where – they feel like they can can rally to the ball and limit the big plays in the run game, which protects them and their overall lack of really top-level athleticism on the perimeter. And so if you establish the run and you force them to kind of condense their backers, force them to bring their safeties even more down and focus on the run game, that's how you can then set up some big plays in the pass game. But that's also the second key to this, Ryan, is there are going to be some pass game opportunities and needs in this game Establishing line of scrimmage also entails 
giving Drew, Drew Pine time to throw the football because that then ties into point one, which is Drew Pine's got to start hot fast too. He's got to keep building on that confidence. So we, he clearly became more and more confident at, in the North Carolina game. Like when he took off running on that 12-yard gain on third and eight, you could just kind of see a little bit of a pep in his step. And his execution just immediately like – he's like, you know what? Hey, I got this, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be okay, right? Like, And then all of a sudden Drew's like, bam, 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 ball's going where it needs to go. I think we need to see that again too, but the line's got to give him the time that it did not give Tyler Buckner against Ohio State, that it not did not give Ty, Tyler Buckner against Marshall, that it did not give Drew Pine early against Cal, to be honest with you. If they can give him that time as part of a seventh line of scrimmage, then I think it's going to be very, very hard for BYU to have a chance to win this game. Because if you're not getting pressure on Tyler Buckner, eventually the Notre Dame receiver is going to come open and Drew's going to get the ball where it needs to get to, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Ryan. I, I think that for me, it's it's you, we've seen over the four games, right? When the offensive line plays well, everybody else plays well, right? Like, I mean, that yeah. that's something that no matter what era of football you were in, right? Where it was a heavy run game, triple option, whether it is now with the wide open spread, it's, it's air true. Mike, it's true in Mike Leach's. We never run the ball offense too, Ryan. You're absolutely 100%, correct. hundred percent. The one, the one. The one thing that is always true, no matter what offense you come from, no matter what area you come from, is if your offensive line plays really well, your offense is probably going to do pretty well. Like that is just the point, Black Band. It's always a key to victory for every team. It doesn't matter what the emphasis is, what your run pass split is. It doesn't matter what scheme you run. Offensive line dictates and gives you a very good indicator of how your offense plays, right? And how you win football games, really. Like that's where – that's why most teams still are built inside and out. That's how teams win. So I, I think it's huge because – sorry, I just actually muted myself. On paper, Notre Dame has all the uh, – now you're muted. Tell me okay. something while I'm muted. No, like that's <laughs> weird. Like we both just got – like I didn't hit the mute button. So huh. like it happened right after you. It's like you're in the middle of talking and you get muted, which I was going to laugh as a first. And then all of a sudden I got muted while I was talking. So – I, I have emailed StreamYard this week. I have Maybe StreamYard now, muted both I now, of us. I now have something new to email StreamYard about and be annoyed about this week. No, I, I have no Please idea. Please continue before that crazy interruption. <laughs> no, I mean, I was at the end of the point anyway, right? It's it's a simple fact of Notre Dame's offensive line has the chance to be a, a tone setter for this football game. Mm-hmm. And that happens every single week. And it is incredibly true in this week because I think that BYU's defensive line is not a great unit. I think there's a couple individual players that I really like, but I don't think it's a great unit overall. And I think Notre Dame has the advantage there. So mm-hmm. let's see if it let's see if it comes to fruition. But I like Notre Dame's chances if the offensive line plays really well, as I will every single week until the end of time. Notre Dame can beat every single team they play this year in the regular season if their offensive line plays well. It doesn't guarantee a win. It just means they can. Now, of course, if the offensive line plays great and the quarterback still throws four interceptions, you're going to lose. My point is there are teams they can't beat if the line doesn't play well. They can't beat Clemson if the offensive line play doesn't play well unless the Clemson offense plays even worse, right? Like those, there's always exceptions to rule to those type of things. But if they play well, they can play with anybody on their schedule, in my opinion, every, every single one. So we'll find out if that's true. I think the third thing is, Ryan, is part of – the fast start part of control line of scrimmage is about creating an efficiency on offense. That's going to be very important. And and one of the things that those things play into is being good on third down, right? Which we talked about yesterday. And that's, we didn't want to just repeat all the things that we discussed yesterday. 
But first down success is important. Third down success is important. Efficiency is going to be super important in this game. However, if Notre Dame is going to beat BYU and more importantly, set themselves up for a run coming out of this game, they're going to have to do more to create big plays. And I'm not talking about like 35-yard gains and you know 20-yard touchdowns, you know, big plays in the red zone. I'm talking about they have to scare teams a little bit with big plays, which means run game big plays and pass game big plays. In my opinion, there's something that Tommy Reese said yesterday in his press conference, or it would be Tuesday now in his press conference, that I did like some of the comments he made after the press conference and the one-on-ones with media I, I didn't like. But what he said in the press conference was he felt the pass game actually helped the run game. And I think he's right. North Carolina was not shown respect in their name's pass game. That allowed them to hit some big play opportunities, which then softened up the North Carolina offense defense, allowed Notre Dame to start attacking the middle of the field more and start attacking the perimeter a little bit more, and it made for a really balanced offense. But right now, part of the reason that Notre Dame doesn't have – I had a friend of mine ask me – I think I might have said this in yesterday's show, right, or I just told you on the phone, but this is why we got to stop talking so much on the phone and talking ball because I can't remember what we talked about on the phone, and Sean and I have the same problem or what we talked about in the show. But he asked, you know, he said, you know, I don't know if Audric Estime, you know, has enough speed to be a big play guy. I said, well, what makes you say that? And he goes, well, you know, he hasn't really ripped off any big runs. And I was like, well, he he does have a 36-yard catch and a 29-yard against Carolina. I said, but I said, well, let me ask you this. Do you think Chris Tyree has big play speed? He goes, oh, absolutely. I said, well, how many, what's Chris Tyree's longest run of the year? And he just kind of paused. Like, That's a good point. Big runs are not just about the offensive line. If the offensive line does their job and opens up a huge hole, but they are not respecting your perimeter ability at all, those safeties are standing there at eight yards. And it's a lot harder to rip off those big runs. A lot of the big runs we've seen in the past were because you did have to respect Javon McKinley one-on-one outside. You did have to respect, you know, Cole Komet or Chase Claypool or, you know, whoever the different tight ends have been for Notre Dame, Michael Mayer, Tommy Trumbull, all those different type of guys that – had shown the ability to kind of hit the hit plays downfield. I guess I shouldn't add Michael Mayer to that make plays down the field category because they haven't really used him to do that yet. But the point is, is there were other things to worry about than just the run. And, and even in 2017, you had to worry about Brandon Wimbush on the ball over your head. You had to respect it, and you had to respect Brandon Wimbush running outside. So there was other weapons that you could worry about other than just the inside zone. Well, they don't have that kind of running threat at quarterback. So Tommy Reese is going to have to find ways to generate big plays down the field in this game, not trick plays like a boot. That I'm not look, that was a great call. Great call. That's an important piece of the offense. This isn't to dis- diminish that or the wheel route to Logan Diggs at all. At all. But you just can't always go to those things every single game. Like you kind of use those bullets in this game and you may not be able to use them again for a few games, right? The point, but you are going to have to, to to show the ability to throw the ball down the field successfully. That comes from four different things, Ryan. Number one, scheme. Mm-hmm. You got to scheme it up. Part of that is get your six foot four tall kid on the field and let him catch some balls in one on ones. Right? Okay. Who, who, you, who are you talking about? Tobias freaking Merriweather. <laughs> um, you, you know, it also means things that we talked about yesterday. You know, using the fact, using your own self scouting to say we have not thrown hardly at all to our number two tight end. And in two of the throws that we did throw to our number two, we I think they've attempted three targets of their number two tight end. Two of them were on plays where he was wide open. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, play action pass, and then on a, on a bootleg against Marshall. So use your own self-scouting that, that teams are going to know of you. Use your own sort of tendencies to your advantage. 
So you know out of 13 personnel and 12 personnel, especially if you go 12 personnel in a two tight end look, and then maybe you motion Mayer across into a trips, they're probably not paying attention to that backside guy. So you do that a couple times and then run inside zone where Mayer secures the backside, like make a real obvious Mayer's motioning and bam, he's securing that backside edge. And then a couple times later, use that and run a bootleg throwback to the tight end, or you run a, a pass where you play action and, you know, you got Mayer running this way. And then you got, you know, you got Eli Raritan running a wide fade or a seam or a post backside. And you look for that throw where you're generating, you're using your scheme, you know, stacking your receivers, running some post snap switches, doing some things where you clear out and get Braden Lindsay on, on a drag route. They, there's a lot of things they can do schematically to get guys in space. And I'm talking about down the field space, Ryan, you know, a climb route, a post route, a wheel route, a seam route, something to where the team has to say, hey, if you get too aggressive against Notre Dame, they're not going to throw the ball deep all day. They're not. But if you get a little bit too peaky into the backfield, Reese is going to come up with something to throw it over your head, and Pine's able to hit it. That's part number – well, they're able to protect it. That's part number two. Uh, the quarterback's able to hit it. That's part number three. And they're going to have their best players in the four. That's part number – field, that's part number four. So scheme, line protection, quarterback making the right decision and getting it out there, and then having the right players in the field that can make those plays. Those are all the key components to this that we need to see against BYU, Ryan, because – they're going – I mean, I'm just telling you, in this game and in future games against Clemson, USC, you are going to have to throw the ball down the field. Yep. And if teams aren't don't respect that, then your running game is always going to have a cap on it, in my opinion. And so that's going to be a big part of that. It's going to be a big key component to Tommy Reese's game plan this week is what can they do to generate plays down the field. I'm curious to see it because I, I think there's a lot of oppor- – there's a lot of, boy, this would work and that would work and, boy, this would be interesting and that would be interesting, Ryan – let, I want to see what he does. I want to see what he does. Because this right here, this is his wheelhouse, this kind of stuff, Ryan. It, this is where Tommy Reese has been good, with the exception of a couple games early last year and the first two games of this year. Last two games, he's been pretty good about this stuff. Because part of the reason I said number two and three, Ryan, there were guys open deep against Ohio State and Marshall, and they didn't get time to throw. And in other instances, they had guys open deep, and the quarterback missed. Like So it's not like they haven't tried – I'm not saying they haven't tried. Against Cal, they didn't try. I kind of understood it, right? In games one and two, they tried. Against Carolina, they tried. So it's not – I'm not ripping on them for not trying. It's just now about let's see them be have success with it. That's that's where I'm coming from in this one. It's going to be interesting, man. I'm, I'm very curious on which 6'4-plus uh, freshman pass catcher gets the first catch of his career. Will it come this week, Brian? I'm excited to see it, man, because, I mean, hey, you mentioned the second tight end, right? Eli Raritan – fastest 10 yard split in in nfl history and he's not even in the nfl yet so it's uh it's, <laughs> i thought we were passing you brought it back <laughs> oh man you gotta come back to it. and ryan brought it back in i love it i love it oh man but i agree with you man i think that especially because i mean brian let's be honest if i'm byu's defensive coordinator right now i'm saying caleb hayes i think has just gonna win one-on-ones against any receiver that he's against right like that's my mindset because notre dame hasn't shown at this point that they could win those one-on-one matchups consistently for the variety of reasons that you kind of highlighted and i think that you have to show that you're able to win some of those whether it's lorenzo whether it's Braden, whether it is tobias merriweather whether it is whoever you have to show that you can create an explosive play against some of those better pass rush, um, as, sorry, pass coverage players like Caleb Hayes, because I think they're going to have some one-on-one opportunities. Because at this point, based upon what you've seen, 
You have to feel if you're BYU, you have to feel good about your defensive backs against Notre Dame's offensive players or offensive skill position players. So that is a massive matchup. I agree. Let's get one of these freshmen a pass, man. Want to see it? I want to see it. Ryan, this kind of ties into our fourth point, and that's something that we try to do here is is, because you do this when you're building a game plan, right, Ryan? Especially as an offensive coordinator, your game plan is designed to kind of everything builds on each other, right? Mm -hmm. Like what I hate is when I see offensive coordinators, and you can do it a little bit more in the NFL than in college, where it's like, okay, out of this look, they run this stuff. Out of this look, they run that stuff. You know, And it's just kind of like none of it goes together, right? Mm -hmm. Like it should all go together. What you do formationally and with your different pre-snap looks in the run game is stuff you should use in the pass game. Stuff you're going to use in the pass game, you need to find ways to use in the run game from a looks and alignments and movement standpoint. So that way teams aren't like, hey, look, when the running back lines up here, you know he's running either outside zone here or he's running a pass route. Well, the key to outside zone is where's the tight end. So when he's here and the tight end's there, you know what's coming. It's a pass. Mm-hmm. Right when the when he's offset and the tight ends here, this is what they're doing. Like you can't have those tendencies, and Notre Dame has had those problems in the past, especially you know before Chip Long showed up. So you got to make sure all that stuff works together, right? And so I think a lot of these, that's how we do our keys, right? A lot of stuff kind of builds on each other. And I think the fifth, the, the fourth key is if Notre Dame is going to win this game, obviously Mayer needs to be a dude, and you need your you know Lorenzo needs to play well, and you're. But I think this is a game where you're going to need your complimentary players to step up and make some plays. Yes. We saw that against North Carolina. Logan Diggs, who didn't even play the game before, has made very little impact so far this season, steps up and has the best game of his career against North Carolina. Now, I hope that's a springboard to Logan continue to do that week after week after week, as well as Audrick doing what he did and Tyree doing what he did. You know, And then some weeks you're just going to ride in a hot hand. But, you know, a Logan Diggs, a Braden Lindsey, who I have always felt is a complimentary player. It's a dangerous compliment, but he's a complimentary player. You got to do some things to get him going in this game, in my opinion. If other teams are not afraid of him doing things to hurt you or not afraid that you're going to scheme him, right? It's 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 one thing for him not to make a lot of catches, nothing when you're clearly not scheming for him to do stuff that he's dangerous in. That's something I need to see. Eli Raritan, you talked about, or Holden Stace. If it's if it's Holden Stace that they design stuff for this week instead of Eli Raritan, or if it's Kane Barong, I don't care. It's not so much just about Eli Raritan. I mean, obviously, Eli Raritan presents some unique opportunities at 6'7 and 245 pounds with the fastest 10-yard split for a tight end in, in the history of the world. Um, I'm just not going to let that go this season. We'll do. We'll get rid of him in the offseason. Uh, we need to make then, sure it's about this. We need to make sure yeah. it's yeah. So, the, so what that, you know, but it, I don't care if it's him. Holden States is really dangerous. If it's Tobias, you know, Tobias Merriweather, it'd be great to see Tobias get a couple shots. My point is complimentary players across the board, and that includes offensive line. You know, look, Josh Lugg and Zeke Carell are, are not the studs up front, they're not the stars. They got to play well, though. It's important that they play well. So, I think those players this week more than other, I think to win big games, you don't need your complimentary players to play well to be Cal or Marshall. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you just don't. But you do need them to make plays against Ohio State in more than just one. You do need them to make plays to beat BYU. You are going to need those guys to step up and make plays to beat even a team like North Carolina. I mean, we saw that with Logan Diggs. He's the guy that kind of got the offense going with that play, that wheel route up the field. You know, you need those guys to play well in these moments. And this is one of those games. I also think this is also a lot of my points, Ryan, and our points, I should say, are also forward-looking a little bit. Mm-hmm. The more players that you show future opponents that you better game plan for him, the 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 better you're going to be. The harder you're going to be to defend. Right now, Notre Dame, you got to be worried about Mayer. You got to be worried about the running backs. 
I don't think I have to be worried about Lorenzo Styles yet. Not so much that he's not a good player, but they don't do a lot to scheme him into spaces like they did to Kevin Austin late last year. I, I haven't seen that so far this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, schematically, you don't have to – I mean, you have to be prepared for him. Hey, he's a good player. Be on your game. But you don't have to be worried about scheming him, you know, because of how Notre Dame is going to scheme for him. So do some things to to make him a guy you got to prepare for. But then do things that you say, if you don't pay attention to number zero, they're going to do this. They're going to do a motion and stack him and do this. And they're going to do these other things to try to get him going. A, a now screen. I mean, can we run a bubble screen for the love of all things holy? Can we get a bubble screen this year? Can we get a now screen this year? Can we get, you know, something like that? You know, those type of things, Ryan, the more you do that to your complimentary players, the harder it is for teams to defend you. And that's yes. that's why I think this is it's important against BYU, but it's also going to be important to put this on film for the rest of the rest of your, your season for future opponents. Brian, you were a coach. What do coaches want when they're calling an offense or defense? They want options, right? right. Like that's what that's what you want, especially offensively, man. Like I want right. to be able to look at a play sheet and say that play will work, that play will work, that play will work, that play will work, because right. I know that my options that I have are making plays, right? right. Like, to your point, I mean, there's only a couple players in this offense that you feel consistently good about that if you dial it up, they're going to make plays for me. And if those complimentary pieces come to play, then that just opens up the playbook for everyone, not just the coaching staff, not just the quarterback, for all these wide receivers that we've been talking about that have potential, that haven't put it fully onto, onto the field yet. If they are able to do it in this week, then that gives them more options as well. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing who will take that next step up. Because like you said, Aldrick estimated the last couple of games to start to really step up. Logan Diggs last game really step up. Is it going to be Brain Lindsay? Is it going to be Lorenzo Styles at a more high volume level? Is it going to be Tobias Merriweather? It is is it going to be tight end two? Is it going to be Deion Colsey, like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't care who it is. It just needs to happen. There needs to be more options on this offense. Right. Yeah, and you need to have options, but options that you know, hey, I've got this that I can go to to get this guy going. And I think that's going to be an important part of what Coach Reese has got to do is you got to have some stuff that you know, hey, I know Matt Salerno can get open on this. And we saw that against North Carolina. They designed a play where, you know, let him run a slide. And it ended up turning into an angle route, but it wasn't designed that way because Drew Pine missed him at first. If you you know the play I'm talking about, like he was actually wide open on the slide, and Drew just mm-hmm. missed him. You you saw that play on the all twenty two, right, Ryan? Sure. Where did. He, I mean, he's just wide open, and then Matt did a great job of working back to get into Drew Pine's line of sight. Like this is why we say we've never advocated for put Matt Snow on the bench and never play him. I, I've never advocated for that. It's it's not it's not an either or. It's both and, right? That's the whole point. I've never said put Jaden Thomas on the bench and don't ever play him. I'm just saying use him in a more limited role. And use him in areas where you know he's making plays and don't ask him to do these other things because he's not good at that right now. And use this other kid who is good at those things and use him more. And that's that's kind of the point that we're making here. And yep. and I don't and it could be Dion Scolzi. I mean, we, we don't often talk about Dion because I'm uncertain of his health at this point in time. Like I know he played four snaps against North Carolina, but is he ready to do anything other than block? I don't I don't know what his health status is. I don't it could be him. You know, I mean, if they put him out and do the things that I'm asking them to do, Tobias Merriweather, and Dion plays and makes big plays. Great, that's fine because I'm Dion Colsey's got a lot of talent too. It's just you need to get those guys into the game, and that's the point. But it doesn't mean oh Matt Salerno sucks or whatever. But Matt did his job on that play, right? The, the times they asked Jaden Thomas to do his job on things he's comfortable with, guess what? He made the catches and got yards and did what he needed to do. And and that's the thing too. And I also want to see also 
I am curious to see. This isn't necessarily key to the game, Ryan, mm-hmm. but I'm very curious to see how they use Lorenzo Styles this week. Yeah. As we've discussed, if I'm doing my self-scouting, I'm going to notice, boy, Lorenzo just statistically the last two years has been just way more productive in the slot. So do you use him more that way? And and Ryan, I think there's there's an interesting thing that you brought up that it's not really a key to the game, but when you kind of look at the the, the points – uh, that points three and four of the offense, there's a really interesting kind of connection that kind of weaves through those as well. And that's what you and I were discussing before the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, Brian, like if I, if you're asking me what the strength of this team is or the most, the, the part of the team, I think that get, presents the most conflict potentially is the second level of the defense, right? Like, cause you mentioned Ben Bywater, you mentioned Peyton Wolgar, you mentioned Thule, you mentioned um, – what was we talked about Peely name? yesterday. Peely, yeah, yeah Peely, the big thumper Peely, inside. Yeah. So they have options at on the second level at linebacker. They can present a lot of multiple type of looks with those guys. I mean, there's two to three linebacker looks that you can use. There's even four linebacker looks that you can use at times because they have very different skill sets. And I think for me – and this comes to the creativity of Tommy Reese that we have seen at points, right – you have to conflict that second level and you have to make people kind of overcompensate from some mistakes from the second level. Cause that hurts line. That hurts the safeties behind them having to overcompensate if they've taken a bad run fit or they've kind of chased a, a mesh route, you know, a little too far outside the hashes, all that type of stuff. So I want to see them really manipulate the second level. How do you do that? Screens, crossing routes, play action. I want them to mess with their eye discipline. And if Notre Dame's able to do that, like we saw a little jet sweep action. We saw a little touch pass action. We've seen a little bit of screens throughout the season. I want to see even more. I want to see them really challenge that second level and make them and make them really conflicted with what they're Mm -hmm. seeing and how they're responding of their plan of attack. Because I think if they take advantage of that second level and make them guess wrong, I think that that is a big big opportunity against what is a strength of this team. Well, no, you talk about it, Ryan, and like you talk about the strength of this team, that's it, it's, it's a, it's a good point for you to bring up just in, in just a general matchup standpoint, right? Like it, it against this particular team, it makes a lot of sense to bring it up. But I think the last thing you said is why it's such an important point. And that is, is that it also fits with what your strengths are, which is tight end talent and depth and running back talent and depth. And the more you can emphasize those with those guys, but it's always not just about using them to be the guys to threaten the linebackers for plays, but it's also about using them, knowing the linebackers are going to key them to then get somebody else open behind them. That's another key, you know, like run mayor on an option route and have him run right at the mic and then have an angle route with your running back. And why are you doing that? Because you're trying to bang the end cut or the climb behind it. Right. I mean, there's, there's, other aspects to that as well, but then also doing things to then stress those guys with the running backs and with the tight ends, you know? So like something I would love to see Notre Dame do a little bit of this game is to kind of, you know, I would love, you can do it out of 12 personnel, right? As you can have 12 personnel, you can put, you know, Michael Mayer into the boundary and you can have the running back to his side and you could be like in a three by one alignment out of a, you know, two, two tight ends attached or one in a wing. You have twins to your right. You have Mayer to your left. It could be, you know, I'm just drawing it up as to the left side of the, you know, to the left hash, but you have Mayer as your single tight end and you have the back on his side. 
And what you do is you just run mayor on a seam route and you run the back on like a, a, a wheel or a, like a wide fade, or you can run the mayor on a wide fade and then just run a trail with your running back. But then you're really trying to isolate those linebackers. And what you're trying to do then is bring somebody else back across from the other side, whether it be the tight end or the tight end may run an in cut. And then you bring a receiver underneath the point being, if they overplay the back and the tight end, that's why you use it's you're actually using Mayer as a decoy unless they go one on one, then you throw them the freaking ball down the field. <laughs> but in that instance, as you're using him as a decoy, you're using your running back as a decoy, right? To get them to overplay that, bringing something behind to replace it, right? But you're stressing that second level to your point, and then you've got some kind of over the middle high low coming behind it, right? Yep. And so I think there's a lot of things like that they can do. And because of the wide fade and the cross, you have some built-in blitz beaters. Cause I just, what I just advocated for is an empty personnel, yeah. right? You know, meaning <laughs> you, you, you vacate it's, it's all out. Okay. And so it's a five man protection. So you, the, the crosser, the quick crosser is a bit of a blitz beater as is the wide fade, depending on where the blitz comes from. So you are doing things to protect yourself out of that, but you're also then using your best personnel that teams are worried about to then set something else up. Right. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I'd like to see too, Ryan, which fits right in with what you talked about, which is stressing the second level of their defense and not just doing it with your studs, but then also doing it with your complimentary players. Yeah. And that's a way where you can, I mean, you could catch Braden Lindsay in a catch and run in that situation that can go for 25. And if he can make one guy miss, it can go for 50. Right. Mm-hmm. Same with Lorenzo, same with, I mean, Matt Salerno, I mean, that you'll get Matt Salerno. I mean, use him like, hey, there's no way they're going to design a play for Matt Salerno. Hey, you know what? That's how you steal yards with your complimentary players, right? I mean, are they going to really think you're going to run a, a, a wide fade with your tight end and a trail with your running back, and you're going to send your other tight end on the scene so you can open up a crossing route to Matt Salerno? They're probably not playing for that, which is exactly why it would – I could see it, right? Yeah. I mean – it's it, it's about using your complimentary players to steal yards because now your future opponents can, hey, you can't overplay Mayer or this guy because we'll hit you with Lindsay, we'll hit you with Salerno, we'll hit you with Styles, we'll hit you with whatever. And that's the stuff I like to see, Ryan. I mean, I just think yeah. stuff like that where you're really getting creative are ways that you can steal yards in a game like this and then put something on film that your next several opponents are going to be like, hey, you know, we can't just do this because Notre Dame has figured some stuff out, which is what we saw last year. It took them a little longer last year. I hope it doesn't take them seven games to figure it out this year. Yep. It needs to have taken four. It needs to it needs to have been figured out now. Because what when you look at last year's schedule, Ryan, you know, we've talked a lot about how the offense figured stuff out late. But what was the what what was the way that that all went about? Right? When you look at last year's schedule and they were able to figure some things out, when did it happen? It started to happen for USC, right? Mm-hmm. which was after Virginia Tech, right? Yep. What happened in between there? Bye week. True, true. Right? That's when I say you get yourself scouting in. You figure out, okay, and what we see, we saw them use personnel differently. They went from not using Styles hardly at all. Styles played like eight snaps against Virginia Tech last year. Even mm-hmm. after Joe Wilkinson got hurt the week before against Cincinnati, they still didn't use him. They used Deion Colsey a little bit, right? But they come out of the bye week, all of a sudden Styles is a part of your game plan. And what does he do against USC? Goes out there and makes plays, right? Makes some big plays for him. So, you know, those are the things that you hope you see. I mean, going into the USC game last year, Lorenzo Styles had two catches for 16 yards, right? He had a garbage one catch for two yard now screen against Toledo. And then he had a one catch for 14 yards coming off the bench 
for Joe Wilkins in the Cincinnati game and then hardly played at all against Cincinnati. Come out of the bye or Virginia Tech, excuse me. Come out of the bye week, all of a sudden he has three catches for 57 yards against USC, right? And and makes some big plays. Then he comes out the next week against North Carolina, three catches for 74 yards. He only has one catch for four yards against Virginia, but he rips off a run that goes for over 50 yards. Now, and it only ended up being a 37-yard run. We've talked about this. It was a 37-yard run statistically, but it was actually a 50-something-yard run that had 15 taken away from it because of a, whole, a downfield receiver hold. Yeah. So maybe we see that again this year. I hope so. And that's what I love about bye weeks. But that's why we need to see some of that stuff, you know, because those those are those are. I mean, I thought Sarkeesian in 2020 was masterful with this with Slade Bolden. Yep. I thought he would just do things where, like, if you're going to overplay this, then we're going to go steal a 20-yard gain with Slade. You know, and then now you're like, okay, well, then you got to defend that. And then all of a sudden, okay, then you use your back off of it or whatever. I just – that's what the, the best minds do, and I want to see Ty Maurice prove himself to be that. That's what I want to see this weekend. That, that's, so. I never thought I heard Slade Bolden's name on this uh, podcast, I mean, but, Brian. But they did, I, right? I mean, you, yeah. they did it, though. I mean, that's what we saw. It's like if you overplayed, especially when Jalen Waddle was healthy, Oh, yeah. You'd see, you know, slated catch like a pass or two, but it'd always be like that 15-yard gain that where they just weren't prepared for him, you yep. know, or just like, like okay, well, that that was that was weird. Like, he comes out against Tennessee. He doesn't catch a single pass in the first four games. He comes out against Tennessee, and he goes six for 94, <laughs> right? I mean, literally didn't catch a single pass the, the, the first four games of the year. Well, why didn't he catch a single pass the first four games of the year? He said Jalen Waddle, <laughs> and then he got hurt. Right, and they come out the first game without Jalen Waddle. What do they do? They go Slade Bolden catches six passes for ninety four yards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you're like, oh crap! Now we got to deal with Slade Bolden. You know, it's like wonderful. You know, the, the SEC title game. He only had two catches in the SEC title game against Florida. But you know what? They went for forty yards. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's stealing those yards to where, like, look, you want to overplay my dude, then we're going to steal from you. And I'm all for that. I'm all for that. I'm not advocating stealing. Only yards. Only yards in football. Uh, so anyway, that's kind of where where I would like to see this uh, this go. So, love it. Let's move on to the defense, Ryan, and talk about the keys to success for the Notre Dame defense against BYU. I think the first one is obvious. They have to have to have to have to dominate the line of scrimmage, and this is in the first. And it's 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 two parts to this one key. Part number one, we discussed yesterday. We only spent a lot of time on it, but I do want to address it again. Controlling the line of scrimmage first and foremost means shutting down the BYU run game. Why do we keep talking, Ryan, about the importance? And I'm setting you up for this. I'm not setting myself up. I want you to answer this because, you know, I've talked about it in the past a little bit, but I want to hear you explain it. Why? Because this is what people are going to ask. Why are you so focused on shutting down BYU's run game when they're not a great rushing team and the best part of their team is the pass game? And that's a very important reason why, Ryan. Because when you're a coach, you want to go against people that are that are predictable. Like you want to be able to know exactly what's going to come at you, right? Like that gives you that gives you more options, but it also gives you a better understanding of what's coming at you. And I think that when you make a team one-dimensional in general, like again, you're just limiting how many things that they can do. And when they become predictable, that gives you the options of hey, let's play this type of coverage. Let's mix this stuff up. Let's bring these different pressure packages. And you get to be have a real like finite opinion, uh, kind of understanding of like, what do I need to do to be successful? Like that's kind of where it goes for, for me. So I think that any team, 
you want to force them to be one dimensional, no matter who they are. I mean, I mean, honestly, obviously you would like to just shut down every aspect of their game, but against a good offense, like BYU does have, you want to give them less options to attack with. And people probably are going to go like, wait, but why would I want to stop their run game when their pass game is what really scares you? It's because what what gives you worry about a guy like a Jaron Hall, for instance, right? It's the fact that he is such a dual threat option, not even just as a runner, but as an extender in the in the RPO game, that type of thing, that you want to limit his options. Because the RPO game, if you know there's no run option, it just becomes a pass play, right? That's that's where the, this conflict happens, right? Like that's where a defensive defensive player's mind comes in. If you eliminate one part of the game. You have to only worry about certain parts parts of, of an offense. And to our point, when we first began this podcast, we both believe that BYU is not going to – I think that they can make some plays coming from behind, but I don't think that they're – I mean, they're definitely not in the league of a, of a North Carolina with the ability to create explosive plays and do that type of thing. So right. if I'm getting them into obvious passing situations, if they are obviously throwing the football, I will take the matchup of – Cam Hart, even when he's struggling against whoever, you know, Gunnar Romney or whoever the wide receivers are, even Puka. Like I'll take the I'll mm-hmm. take the options there. And if Puka doesn't play, then I'm definitely forcing them to pass because then I just kind of question of what who are the secondary silly um the, the second options for them also right. in the pass game. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brian, point number two, I think, I think so that's an that's an important part. And then the second part of point one is if you're dominating the line of scrimmage in the run game for a good team or for a good line, which their name is, it naturally leads to pass rush and disruption. I don't care if they sack Jaron Hall once. I don't care. I mean, if they sack him nine times, that's great. Sure. But I don't I, I don't define success again in this instance as a bunch of sacks. I want mm-hmm. constant disruption. I don't want Jaron Hall getting comfortable. You've seen it on film. The stats bear it mm-hmm. out. And this is true for most quarterbacks. When you consistently pressure them, especially if you pressure them with four or five, especially four, they're not going to be very successful. 
That's true of almost every quarterback in college football. The, the great ones cannot get – now, we both think the world of Jaron Hall, but he's yep. not an elite talent. He's not. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not C.J. Stroud. He's not Bryce Young. He's a really good veteran experienced college quarterback. If you can consistently pressure him, especially with your front, then you're going to have a lot of success in this game. Because what the premise was, we didn't say shut down the run game. We didn't say sack Jaron Hall is the key. We said dominate slash control the line of scrimmage because you're doing that with your box and that's going to lead to those accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important because if you, if he gets comfortable in this game, BYU will move the ball and have score some points, not a ton yeah. score some points. Some other things have to happen that we'll get into that talks about, it, but you know, as you as you get into point two, this transitions to point two, Ryan, which is contain Jaron Hall. Yes, you do that by being disruptive up front, not letting him have run lanes to go through, but also not letting him sit and get comfortable in the pocket. Because if he's comfortable in the pocket, or you're not being disciplined up front, he will hurt you with his legs and his arm. You've got to contain so. him. You contain him by being dominant, dominating in the trenches, but then also being disciplined within within that, and then. That kind of leads to point three. So we'll kind of talk about all these together, Ryan, which is BYU is not good enough to just move the ball up and down the field and score 35, 40 points on the ring. They don't have that kind of talent. They are very good schematically. They are going to try to do things to create mistakes. And if you make those mistakes, Jaron Hall will hurt you. And so control the line of scrimmage, which leads to containing Jaron Hall, which then leads to don't ruin all that by then blowing an assignment or making a mistake or not going with the motion or not seeing the levels or not seeing the screen or not seeing the the pump and go and all that kind of stuff. Cause you could shut them down, shut them down, shut them down. And then boom, you make a mental mistake and you're beat. And that's the difference between BYU and North Carolina, North Carolina schemed some stuff to get some big plays, but they had the receivers that can just kind of run past another name at times. BYU doesn't have that. It's all going to come from scheme, right? And if you're disciplined, then you can shut that scheme down. Oregon was disciplined against BYU. They didn't give up the big play, a lot of the big plays. Notre Dame has to be disciplined. If you do that and you control the line of scrimmage, points one and three lead to point number two, which is containing Jaron Hall. Oh yeah, that's I mean that's it, man. It it's it really because Brian. I mean honestly, if, if if BYU is able to create a bunch of explosive plays against Notre Dame, it's a bad bad sign, man. Like that is a really bad sign because I don't think that they have, especially if Puka Nakua doesn't play. If they if he doesn't play, then you're looking at this team and saying, I don't know where the explosive plays come from. Like I don't think it's Chase Roberts. I don't think it's going to Romney. I don't think it's Isaac Rex. Like that's not how this team is built. But how this team is built is that Jaron Hall as an extender and when he feels comfortable in what he is doing, when he's comfortable in his own skin, he's a really good football player, man. Like that's just the point blank to it. Right. And I think that that's my biggest thing too, Brian is like the two players that worry me at most on BYU's offense are Puka Nakua and Jaron Hall. Those are the two players, right? If Puka doesn't play the Jaron Hall's the guy. Yeah. I almost just put a middle finger up at, at the screen, by the way, when I was going like this yeah. and counting, which would have been glad, fantastic. Real yes. quick. The latest <laughs> yeah. thing I read was from last night yeah. was that Puka was listed as probable. Okay. So I don't, so you know, that, prob- that could probably a be, limited role. That or... could just be coach speak, you know, not yeah. let Notre Dame know it or whatever. I don't, I don't know. All I'm just saying uh, is that, you know, we don't know if he's going to play or not, or if he does play, how how, how healthy he's going to be. 
But to right. your point, him healthy is a scary weapon. He is the one guy they have that can create those big plays. Small but supplies, yeah. that is still even done within scheme. And yep. that's the thing is, if you're disciplined, like to the, your point against the North Carolina game, yeah, Antoine Green is good enough to run by you. But the two touchdowns he had against Notre Dame were both off of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Safety not getting off the hash with the proper angle. Corner maybe biting on something he shouldn't have been on. A blown coverage on the second one. You know, the first long game that they had, uh, that beat Jaden Mickey, which set up a touchdown, was just a great ball and a great play. You're going to have those. I don't think BYU has that kind of guy consistently that can do that. So it has to be it has to be a situation where you're just not making the mental mistakes. You know, don't bite hard on the the bubble screen pump fake. You know, and it almost looks like he's like throwing a you know throwing an axe. He just does this, <laughs> then you bite on it, and then he pulls up and he throws it over your head. You can't make those mistakes. You can't lose gap assignment integrity in the run game and allow Christopher Brooks to rip off a 40-yard run. It's just unacceptable in this game. You know what I mean? So uh, th- those are all keys to the game. And then the fifth, the fourth one, Ryan, is just be disruptive. And, again, mm-hmm. it all ties together. If, B- if BYU's playing behind the sticks in this game, especially if you have early down success when they try to run the ball, like this hurt North Carolina. North Carolina was able to rip off some runs on the first drive off scrambles, but they were playing behind the sticks even on that first drive. As mm-hmm. soon as Notre Dame cleaned up the quarterback scramble stuff, North Carolina could not move the football in Notre Dame. It was like it was like just until it was game was already over. It was like 38-14, and they started scoring garbage touchdowns, right? And that's going to be a key in this game, too. Get them behind the sticks. If you can get them behind the sticks, you're going to have a lot of success in this game. And that comes from disruption. You know, turning running first and second down runs into zeros and minuses. You know, those those are all going to be key. Getting your hands up. I mean, Jaron Hall is not a super tall quarterback either. He's taller than Drew Pine, but he's not like a 6'5 guy. You know, you've got some tall linemen. If you see that he's setting up and, and get your hands up, knock those balls down, you know, and that's how you can create some of the disruptions that, A, lead to being behind the sticks. But then number two, those are the kind of things that lead to turnovers. Mm-hmm. You know, tip a ball at the line of scrimmage, and then all of a sudden Brandon Joseph steps in front of a floating ball and takes it, you know, takes it back, something like that. That disruption is what I want to see. And again, it starts with the, the front. The be disruptive up front. It it all it all ties together, man. And, and that's going to be a big key in this game. It's, and it all it, again, it goes back to don't letting them get comfortable, shutting down the run game. All of it ties together, man. It really does. Those are going to be keys to this game. And, and, and what do they they all do? They're all geared towards limiting the big plays, the cheap yards. Don't let BYU do what we talked about on offense, which is steal yards. Right, mm-hmm. can't do it. If you can, if you eliminate that, then they're going to have a hard time scoring enough to win this game. In what, my opinion, what, what does disruption do? Whether it's against the pass or in the run g- game, Brian, it speeds up the playmakers' process, right? Like they got a kind of quick thinker on quick think think quicker on their feet and kind of reevaluate things in a very quick manner, right? Like got to speed up their process. This BYU team is not incredibly fast offensively. They're not mm-hmm. like they just don't. They don't have a ton of speed. They have good football players, physical football players, well-coached football players, which you can win with, obviously. But when you create disruption against guys that are not the fastest or most explosive football players, when you speed up their process, that's where it gets really highlighted. Like, hey, they're not explosive playmakers. That's where it kind of comes into, right? So I think Notre Dame has a speed advantage across the board when we're talking about their Notre Dame's defense against the offense. I mean, it goes both ways, if we're being honest. But Mm -hmm. I really do think that if Notre Dame makes this team uncomfortable, you're going to see the discrepancy between Notre Dame speed versus BYU speed. So yeah. I agree completely. Penetration is absolutely vital against the pass, against the run. Need to see them create some penetration and create some big plays in the backfield. 
the optimism that I have that the Notre Dame defense can shut down or not shut down, really slow down Jaron Hall is the fact that they did it against Drake May and C.J. Stroud. I yeah. mean, if you really think about it, the three best defensive games Notre Dame has played this year came against th- two. I mean, the two best def- games Notre Dame played this year defensively, in my opinion, uh, came against, especially pass game wise, came against the two best quarterbacks they've played. I mean, two of the best quarterbacks in the country so far. I think C.J. Stroud, you know my stance on C.J. Stroud. I think he is the best quarterback in the country. Uh, but it's an argument with him and Bryce Young. They're both great. They're both mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. But you know, you you, you kept CJ from really dominating that game. You te- you kept Drake May from really making the big plays to win until the game was basically over. You know, you you did it then. Now you need to do it again. And this is the danger of Notre Dame's schedule because you keep facing quarterbacks like that week after week after week. As bad as Stanford is, you let Tanner McKee get hot and they can give you some problems. Right. Garrett Schrader with his running ability and he's improved as a passer. He can hurt you. Right. Mm-hmm. DJ is playing a lot better for Clemson. Right. Phil Dracovic, if you don't get after the, if you don't beat up their offensive line, Phil Dracovic, as Louisville learned this last weekend, if you give Phil Dracovic time to throw the football, he will rip you up. The key to beating BC, be disruptive. Don't let the quarterback take over the game. And then, of course, there's Caleb Williams at the end of the year. So this is this is going to be a theme all year is you can't let this quarterback take over. And in my opinion, it's going to come down to all the things that we talked about because you can't let Jaron Hall take this game over. The reason I'm optimistic about this game, and you'll see how optimistic I am tomorrow in the in the game prediction, is because we've seen this defense do this. My only concern about this game is what we don't know about the offense because mm-hmm. we've only seen them play once big, right? And that was against a bad defense. We've seen this defense shut down now two really good quarterbacks, and what does Drake May do a week later, Ryan? Right? I mean, you know, he 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 gets kind of he gets some garbage plays against Notre Dame, but he had some really rough periods against Notre Dame. I mean, some really rough periods. And so, what does he do? He comes out the next week against Virginia Tech, goes twenty six of thirty six for three hundred sixty three yards and three touchdowns, averages ten point one yards per attempt. He's right? a good player, man. Oh, and, and by the way, he averaged he also added seventy three rushing yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> That's what Notre Dame basically shut down when the game mattered. In the in against North Carolina, so if they can do that to Drake May. With all due respect to Jaron Hall, who I'm a big fan of, they can do it to him. Yes, in my opinion, there's no doubt. Well, agree there's with no you. Doubt. Now you know what we got to talk about next, right, Ryan? <laughs> special teams, man. Keys to the game on special teams. I'm a believer. It's, it's, obviously, it's going to be different this week. It's going to be different this week. A little bit, not well. It's going to be similar to the North Carolina game. Yeah. Uh, always do your job. Don't make mistakes. Don't leave the, the big one though that we're going to emphasize. Don't leave points on the board, mm-hmm. meaning like on the field. Don't miss. You got to make your two games in a row that the kickers missed a field goal. Now they got got a little fortunate against Cal. It would seem. I still haven't seen a right down the line angle of that play, mm-hmm. but it seems that they caught a break against Cal and and his miss got negated by a penalty. Can't do that in a game like this. So you can't miss those opportunities. But I'm a big believer, Ryan, that that at home just do your job. Just don't make mistakes. On the road, I want to see the special teams make plays. And they did that against North Carolina. Now, did they have a 50-yard return for a touchdown? No. But the the combination of, of consistent pressure on the punter led to then Brandon Joseph having room to run, which allowed them to really get, like what was it, like 50 yards and additional field 
position in that game. Didn't he have like 50 yards return I, I, yards or something like that? Yeah, I, I think he had, I think he averaged like 14 points something on three yeah. returns, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. so those are things that you want to do, Ryan is, I mean, that's cause that's field, that's 50 extra yards of field position that you're getting in, in that game. And so, you know, to me, I think those are really important aspects of it. Yeah. Three for 43 he had in that mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those are things you want to see. If you can block a punt, if you can block a kick, if you ten, can take a kick back to the house, that's all great. But that's not the only way to have big plays in the special teams. Big plays are also force a punter because of pressure to shank one 15 yards or line drive one that Brandon, you know, Joseph runs back and it's like a net 20 yard gain on a punt, right? Those are big plays in a game like this. And mm-hmm. so the field position aspect is going to be very important, very important for this football game. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and it usually is right. But I think for anything like what we have seen, Brandon Joseph now take a step forward as a punt returner and set your team up in good situations, right? And we talk about staying in front of the sticks as far as like getting into second and five, second and fours. But you're also giving your team a lot more options when you start with better field position. Like you have a, you start getting into the four down territory type of opportunities. You start to maybe take a couple couple a couple um shots at certain points right so i think that field position gives you gives you just a big big bonus and i mean we'll, we'll see what happens brian because i mean we're just we're talking mostly about punt return opportunities but i mean even in the kick return game we know how dynamic chris tyree can be when he gets an opportunity haven't seen a, a big return really from him yet so maybe this is the week but i agree right. field position is just a consistent thing across the board where if you win that battle your offense is going to be in a good situation. You're going to be in a good situation. Right. Right. And and just don't give up the don't do on the don't do the opposite of what we just talked about. Yeah. Like don't don't allow them BYU to do what Notre Dame just talked about. I mean, I think that's a, a big key as well. Because, you know, I mean, when you when you when you look at it, Ryan, it's like that can always be that one thing that just like kills you in a game like this, right? Like, oh my gosh, like why are why are you doing why are you allowing it's deflating? That? It's yeah, and, and if you look at BYU this year, I mean, they've given up a kick return for a score. You know, they rank yeah. 117th in the nation in, in, in kick return average. And, you know, you had the you had South Florida had took one back to the house. It didn't impact the game, but, you know, you had one. But then Wyoming averaged 33 yards on their two kick returns, right? So, you know, you, the, the, a te- here's where you can hurt a team like BYU. Mm-hmm. They're positive – is that they're really smart and they're head, they're veteran players and they're tough and so they can be good on special teams. The negative is, if we're being honest, they're not an overly athletic team, not to the level Notre Dame is. Agreed. And this is where you can again we talk about stealing yards, stealing points. Those things are important in big games. That's an area where you know what if you can if you can find a way to leverage their speed against them, then that's where you can rip off some big plays. And so that's what I'm curious to see on special teams for this week. And and I think you mentioned a a good point too, Brian, is the fact that like bad special teams play can be demoralizing. Like we saw what happened against Wisconsin last year when Wisconsin let up one big kick return. They had just taken the lead, Ryan. They had just taken the lead Wisconsin had. And the energy – this is what I love about big plays. That's why I'll say this till till, till – I'll believe this until special teams changes to where it's no longer a part of the game. And I hope that never happens. But there is nothing more deflating mm-hmm. than a special teams touchdown against you, whether okay. it's punting. But even more so, the even more deflating ones are kick returns. I think mm-hmm. that is – kick returns and block punts, to me, are the two most deflating special teams plays and two of the most deflating plays in, in, in all of football because there's just this stigma to like a block punt, especially if it's like deep, where it's like, boy, that can that can really hurt you. 
Not always, but a lot of times. And then a kick return usually comes after you just did something really good. You know, like I, I still remember the Stanford game of 2015 where Stanford took that opening drive and just went right there. I mean, Kevin Hogan just shredded the Notre defense. And what is ha- what happens? C.J. Sanders brings that sucker right back, and just all the energy out of the Stanford crowd was just gone. Yep. Now, they end up winning the game, but, like, what happens if they don't do that? Does Notre, you know, what if Notre Dame punts? All of a sudden, you're down to a really good Stanford team, 14 nothing, and then you're not winning that game, right? You're not even in position to win it, and you don't even put Brian Van Gorder in position to blow it at the end, right? But we've seen that before, right? And, and, and we've seen those type of plays in the Wisconsin game being the most recent, where, boy, it really felt like Wisconsin had the momentum. The offense had been sputtering. You know, you're you're you've got your backup quarterback in the game, and he just got hit and fumbled. And you think, mm-hmm. oh crap, like this is not good. And you had outplayed them for a lot of that game. I mean, really outplayed Wisconsin, but you couldn't put points on the board. Mm-hmm. And then bam, Tyree does that, and it's just like Wisconsin just was like all this all this well, wind out of their sails. Well, even against Ohio State, like it didn't it didn't end up killing us, killing us, right, Brian? You know, from a from a Notre Dame perspective. But the fact that Notre Dame could get nothing going on the kick return and and Ohio State's coverage unit was just flying, like that yeah. was a little demoralizing, man. If we're being oh, honest, like that's so. Ryan, you're not going to go on the road and beat Ohio State if you have to go 85 yards every time, every day, ball. yeah, all day, right? It's, it's, yeah, no, it's it's awful, man. Brian, um, I think I might go to. Sorry, this is just a random note because you know my mind is a little random sometimes. I have ADHD, yeah. so I can't really. I love about you, focus, man. I kind of want to go for Halloween as Brian Van Gorder this year. Oh my gosh! What would you think classic. about that? That'd, that'd be, be great, so right? Awesome. Be good. Be I just so see, awesome. I see the grot, the, the little yeah. goatee thing. That'd be and, so great. That'd yeah. be so great. I've I always wanted. That. I've always wanted to do like I wish that Notre Dame would do this, like have a media thing where like maybe like one of the press conferences before trick or treat, like maybe the Thursday press conference. Well, we mm-hmm. can't do that because that's on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, but maybe like the the week of th- have Halloween, you know, all the media. If you if you can't come into the Notre Dame press conference on Monday unless you're in a Halloween your your Halloween costume, because you know what I'm going as. I'm coming in as Brian Kelly, and you know that. And I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to get there early and be and I'm going to get up on the podium and just say some really obnoxious BS get, that Brian Kelly get, would say. That'd be a lot of fun. Get your southern accent ready, sir. Yes. You better start practicing. Yes. Oh, because all my nonsense BS stuff would be said in my very Savannah accent. You know, my Savannah accent I tried to pass off in the bayou. Sure. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this portion of the show. We are going to have a mailbag coming up, and we do have some questions already put in. If you all want more, uh, you can throw those in as well. But uh, we are going to get to some mailbag questions. But before we go to the mailbag, everybody, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, please. We would appreciate that. And if you're listening via podcast, we would really appreciate if you gave us a five-star review. It would mean a lot to us. If you don't want to give us a five-star review then and you have a complaint with the show, you can always DM me, but don't give us a review. We would really appreciate that. Shoot me a DM and tell me what you don't like about our show, and we can discuss it. So uh, that would – somebody said with the Brian Kelly thing, and, and your purple face paint. That would be amazing. That would be so much funny. Um, so anyway, so that's going to do it for this show. Mailbag coming up next. And, of course, as always, check out boards.irishbreakdown.com. We'll have a little bit more on the Jacob Lacey stuff coming up here later. We'll have some recruiting intel here over the next couple of days as well. And uh, and we'll next week have a little bit more on uh, what we have planned for next weekend on Saturday of the Stanford game. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be fun. It's going to be fun. So if you're going to be on campus that day, uh, make sure you pay attention to this. And if you're not going to be on campus today or you're unsure you're going to be on campus that day, there's time to change your plans and get that going. Yes. Uh, so that's going to do it for this part of the Irish Breakdown podcast. <laughs>